Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Focus Seedcast. I'm your host Focus, and today, this episode will be an introduction into seed saving. Before we get into the episode, I'd like to do a little bit of housekeeping. If you'd like to support the show, you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Focus Seedcast. I've started to put up some bonus content for Patreon supporters. The first bonus episode is with Marilyn Masher of Manifest Destiny Seedco. We talk about making hash, reading for hash, and what varieties work best for hash production. I'd also like to shout out Masher for donating some seeds to Patreon supporters. If you become a supporter at $25 for four months, you'll get either a pack of Black Afghani or Black Mass seeds. So once again, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash focusseedcast. I'd also like to announce that I've started a private seed and clone trading group on MeWe. If you'd like to jump on the group, you can send me a message on Instagram or send me an email focusseeds at protonmail.com and I'll send you the link for the group. MeWe doesn't censor or ban cannabis related content, so I think it will be a good platform for us to be able to trade openly and get our hands on some really good genetics. Now without further delay, let's get into the episode. So for today's episode, I'll be giving an introductory overview for saving vegetable seeds, herb seeds, cannabis seeds, but these concepts can also apply to any flowers, medicinal herbs, and pretty much any other plant as well. So what is a seed? Simply, a seed is an embryonic plant enclosed in a protective outer covering. The basic construction of a seed is the seed coat on the outside, and then inside that, the endosperm and cotyledon, which stores food in the seed. The embryo is the most important part of the seed, and that's what will grow into a plant. A seed is formed in the ovary of the female flower, or the female part of the flower, depending on the plant. Because seed is produced through sexual reproduction, the most important factors to keep in mind while saving seeds are plant health, isolation distances, and pollination, as well as population sizes. Healthy plants produce high-quality seed that is fully formed, has a high germination rate, as well as vigor, and will stay viable for long periods of time. Isolation distance is also important to make sure that varieties are kept true to type. If space is a factor, there are other ways of making sure plants of the same species don't cross-pollinate, such as using insect netting or hand pollination. For example, insect netting is great for saving pepper seeds. If you're growing uh, two varieties or more, especially a sweet and a hot variety, For example, if you have a sweet bell pepper and a jalapeno pepper growing next to each other and you do not want the seed from the bell pepper next year to produce spicy fruit, a great way is to cover both of them with uh, insect netting. This will keep insects from cross-pollinating the two species and you'll end up with a true-to-type pepper. So your bell peppers will be sweet and your jalapenos will be hot. If you do have the space, you can also make sure that plants are far enough apart. For peppers, 150 feet is a good distance, um, especially if you have some barriers in between the two varieties, uh, windbreak of some trees, bushes, some buildings. This will decrease the chance of insects cross-pollinating the flowers because they aren't able to travel long distances. Hand pollination is another technique that works well, especially for squashes. If you have, you know, two or three varieties of squash that you're growing, and you want to make sure that that squash is true to type when you grow it next year, because squash flowers are, you know, very large flowers. Insects love to carry the pollen around. And if you have, you know, two or three varieties in the same garden, they're going to cross-pollinate. So what you can do is you can make sure that you mark the flowers on the male and female flowers on the plant with some flagging tape. And 
in the morning before the flowers open. You can manually open the flowers using your hand just to tear them open and then taking those taking the male flower and putting it onto the female flower and then you can either tape that female flower shut or clip it shut with like a paper clip or a clothespin and this will ensure that no insects can get in there to pollinate the female flower another factor to keep in mind while saving seeds is population size this is something that a lot of home gardeners overlook for example, corn only after a few generations will suffer from low vigor and low yields if there are not enough plants to keep diversity in the population. Uh, most self-pollinating plants like beans and tomatoes need a minimum population size, so keep that in mind when you're selecting which crops you're going to save seed from and how much space you have for your garden. Another factor and probably the most important limiting factor of any plant is how healthy it is. So this is going to take into consideration soil, environment, pests, disease, and all the other factors when you're growing any plant. Um, I highly suggest that you don't save seed from unhealthy plants unless you have a really good reason to do so, like it's an endangered variety, or that's the only seed you have of it, or it's some type of breeding project where if you lose the seed, it's gonna set you back you know, really far. There are diseases and pathogens that will live on seed and can be carried over from generation to generation. So it's just another factor to consider when saving your seeds. So for this part of the podcast, uh, I thought I'd give a few examples for saving some uh, common seed crops. Uh, namely, I think I'm going to go over beans, tomatoes, cannabis, and possibly squash. So beans are one of the best crops to start saving seed from, especially for the home gardener or the small farm. For the home gardener, green beans are a great place to start, especially pole beans, since they, be, since they can be grown in small spaces, you can vertically train them. Um, for the small farm, dry bean is a great place to start as well, because it can be used as a seed crop and as a food crop. It can be also used as a cover crop in some situations. I highly recommend lima beans. They have less pest disease problems than regular dry beans, and they're also a different species than Phacelus vulgaris. So you can plant a lime bean variety and a dry bean or pole bean variety right next to each other and they will not cross-pollinate. Beans are an inbreeding plant, so you don't need a high population to maintain a variety. Um, anywhere from 10 to 20 plants is fine for the home gardener. Uh, small farms might want to do a larger population, but even keeping a few plants uh, is not a problem. You won't really see any inbreeding depression. Another great reason to start with beans is they also don't need a large isolation distance because they are, uh, are an inbreeding plant. Um, anywhere from you know, 100 to 150 feet is good for anyone who wants to make sure that their seed is true to type or anyone who's selling seed. For the home gardener, you can plant beans pretty close, maybe 10, 25 feet apart, depending if you have you know, something in between or only a few plants here or there. Um, you might have some cross-pollinating, but... For the home gardener, it's really not that big of a deal and actually kind of fun to see what happens over time. I recommend direct seeding bean crops for seed production. Most varieties will produce a dry bean in about 90 to 100 days. When harvesting beans for seed, make sure that the outer pod of the fruit is dried. Um, if it's not fully dried, you can always put it in an area with low humidity to make sure that that pod dries out and that bean isn't full of water. You don't want to have the seeds mold or get mildew on them. Bean seeds can keep for a fairly long period of time 
anywhere from three to six years on average if they're stored properly make sure to store them in a low humidity in a cool dark place i'm not going to get into how to process bean seeds or how to remove them from the pot or clean them it's a pretty easy process and there's already a lot of information out there you can just you know search for a basic video on youtube um, it's a great activity too to do with kids another good crop to start saving seed from are tomatoes they're also an inbreeding crop so you don't need a large population to keep the variety true to type um, it's recommended that you have at least you know 10 to 20 plants uh, if you're going to save seed for a uh, small farm or for sale i recommend that you have at least 20 plants of each variety you want to save seed from another great thing about tomatoes are there are literally thousands types of tomatoes so if you find a variety that you really like it's really unique maybe an heirloom type or something that's been in your family for a few generations saving the seed is pretty easy as with beans, tomatoes are mainly inbreeding, so they don't really cross-pollinate too frequently. This means you can have isolation distances about 100-150 feet, and varieties will usually stay true to type. Um, another great thing about tomatoes is because they're mostly inbreeding, the flowers self-pollinate. So you can just take some netting and tie that around a cluster of flowers to exclude any insects from carrying pollen around and the seeds from those fruits will stay true to type. When a tomato fruit is at its full ripeness, the seed is ready to be harvested and viable. So it's really easy to save seed from fruits that you just normally would pick for either market or just to eat. Saving tomato seed is a little bit more involved than saving bean seed, but it's still really easy and anyone can do it at home. Um, you wanna cut the fruit in half and then with either your finger or a spoon, scoop out the seed and the pulp that's around it into a dish or a bowl. Tomato seed has a gelatinous coating over the seed, so you need to ferment it to break that down. So all you really have to do is, once you've gotten all the pulp and the seed out of the tomato, you just add a tiny bit of water into the bowl or dish, and then leave it on the counter for three or four days and just let it naturally kind of ferment. After a few days, you'll see you know, either kind of like a mold or film starting to develop on top of the top of the liquid that's in the bowl of the dish. And then all you want to do is kind of stir that around and then pour off all the debris and liquid while keeping the seeds in the bottom of the container. Then you repeat the process by pouring more liquid into the container, stirring it around, and pouring off any debris until the seeds are cleaned. After the seeds are cleaned, you can pour them onto a paper towel and put them in front of a fan to dry. Tomato seed is viable for a long period of time. Usually the smaller the seed, the longer it's viable. I've had seven-year-old tomato seed germinate without any issues. As with bean seed, just make sure it's kept in a low humidity environment and in a cool dark place. Now on to the next crop, cannabis. This is an extremely easy crop to save seed from, especially if you have the time or the space. You can produce enough seed to last your own growing needs or if you're a small farmer the growing needs for at least a season or two. Uh, most gardeners and farmers don't like meal plants but obviously that's how seeds are produced uh, because there's so many clonally propagated cannabis varieties there's not a lot of genetic diversity so this is also a way to make sure that you have vigorous healthy plants season after season. Cannabis is a dioecious plant so it has both male and female plants it's also wind pollinated, so it produces a huge amount of pollen and it carries far distances. 
So if you are saving seeds from a cannabis crop, make sure that you have very strict isolation distances, um, especially if you're growing outdoors. Really make sure that you're not accidentally pollinating any of your neighbor's crops. Uh, this is a huge problem, especially out west and in hemp farming. Now with that little disclaimer out of the way, let's get into the two most common ways to produce cannabis seeds. The first most common way is to select a single male and female plant and then put those plants either together in the same room or tent or area and let the male pollen fertilize the female flowers. Another method is to select a male plant and put it in an isolated area and let it drop its pollen and collect that pollen and then manually put it onto the female flowers using a brush or a q-tip. This is a good technique especially for the home gardener or somebody that doesn't have a lot of space and is still trying to grow a crop that's seedless. Pollinate just a single branch or a single flower and then the rest of your crop will still be a seedless regular flowering crop. The second most common way is how cannabis plants would naturally pollinate. Um, you would have a population of males and females that would be grown together and then the males would shed pollen and pollinate the female flowers. You could do this in a tent or outdoors, you know, just you can either select the plants or just do uh, an open pollination of all the seeds that you germinated if you're trying to do some type of preservation of a rare or unique population. Flower maturity is going to be longer than it normally would be for a cannabis crop. Um, it's usually about two to three weeks longer. This is to make sure that the seeds are fully formed when you go to harvest. A good way to check your seeds is if you scrape off the plant material around one of the seeds you should see you know a fully formed plump seed that's brown not green and then if you take it out um, and you squish it between your fingers it shouldn't break or pop um, harvesting and drying is the same after that you want to you know let the flower fully dry and then once it's fully dry you can just break up the flower and separate the seeds using screens or a vacuum seed separator or just picking them out by hand cannabis seeds will stay viable for at least three to five years if stored in a low humidity environment that's cool and dark the last crop i'm going to talk about today is squash all squash types are grown the same way to get a seed harvest whether it be summer squash winter squash or pumpkins um, Winter squash and pumpkins are easier to save seed from just because of the fact that the time that you harvest the fruit to use them as a winter squash or as a fully ripe pumpkin, the seeds are also fully matured. Um, summer squash, you have to let the squash mature past when you would normally be able to eat it to get a viable seed crop. So pumpkins and winter squash are a good place to start for the home gardener or the small farm for squash seed saving. Uh, squashes are insect pollinated and they have a variety of insects that will pollinate them. So they need fairly large isolation distances up to you know half a mile, um, unless there's a lot of barriers in between the different varieties of plants. So there's really two methods that you can use to ensure that your squash varieties stay true to type. You can either grow one variety in your area and make sure that you don't have any close neighbors or other farms in the area that are growing a bunch of squash where insects could bring pollen over and pollinate your plants. Um, the other method is to hand pollinate like I described earlier in the episode. 
Uh, so I won't go over that again. You can also look up online. Uh, YouTube, like I said, has great videos on how to hand pollinate squash plants. And it's definitely something that's better understood through a video. Squash is an interesting plant. It's kind of an outbreeding plant, but it can also um, inbreed as well. Uh, you want to have probably 20 plants at least to be safe if you're selling seed um, or if you're using it on a small farm. You can get away with less plants for a home gardener. Um, squash can have problems with inbreeding depression, but that's usually not the case. So you don't have to keep you know, a large population if you're a home gardener. You can have you know five or ten plants without too much risk of inbreeding depression. Uh, you can also either get seed of the same variety from another grower and grow that out with your population one year to make sure it has enough genetic diversity or you can always cross in a different variety that's similar to that variety um, to maintain some diversity in the population. So since summer squash is different than winter squash and pumpkins in that you have to harvest it at a later stage. Um, you need to make sure that the fruit is fully formed and it will look and feel more like a winter squash or a pumpkin than it will a summer squash. The Like I said before, the easy thing about the winter squash and pumpkins are that its normal date to maturity are when the seeds are viable. Cleaning squash seed is pretty easy. Um, like you would normally clean out a pumpkin when you're carving it or a winter squash when you're going to cook it. You scoop out the seed with a spoon or your hand. You put it into a container and set it aside. Um, there's two main ways to clean the seed. Uh, the first, you can either take that seed with all the debris and the pulp um, and you know wash it under water and pick out the larger pieces and then set that aside on a paper towel to dry. Uh, the second method, especially if you're working with a large amount of squash, is similar to how you would process tomato seeds. So you take all the pulp and seed and debris in a container and you'd sit it out on your counter for three or four days and let it start to ferment and break down. And then you would mix it with some water, stir it up, and pour off all the debris and pulp and just repeat that process until the seed is clean and then set it aside to dry. Squash seed doesn't have as high as a viability as other seeds. Um, after two to four years, the germination rate starts to you know, rapidly decline. So you want to make sure that you store it well in a low humidity environment in a cool, dark place. I'd also like to give a few really good resources for people who want to learn more about seed saving. Uh, the first is Seed to Seed by Susan Ashworth. Um, it's a pretty extensive book on how to save a bunch of types of, you know, vegetable, herb, and flower seeds. Um, the other resource is the Seed Savers Exchange. This resource has been around for, an organization has been around for a really long time. They have a, a lot of information on, the, on their website. Um, and then the last resource would be more towards the homesteader or small farm and that is The Organic Seed Grower by John Navazio. Um, this is a really great resource for somebody who really wants to get into larger seed production or making sure you know that their varieties are grown properly in organic environments and are disease free. I know this is a bit of a shorter episode and there's a ton of information packed in there. It's also my first solo episode, so I hope that all the information was clear and easy to understand. 
Um, if you guys have questions or comments, you can shoot me an email at focusseeds at protonmail.com. And I'd like to do maybe another episode with any questions or topics you want me to kind of expound on or go into depth a little bit more. So I'd appreciate any feedback you can give me. Once again, send me an email at focusseeds at protonmail.com. As always, you can support the show at patreon.com forward slash focusseedcast. Well, that's it for this episode. Happy growing. Peace.